0: everybody welcome back to the podcast now this is going to be our last episode of 2020 and I thought bringing on Brittany from practice better would be really great so she could share all about how to run a successful online challenge now this will be a great episode to bring in 2021 and start thinking about if you can actually add a challenge into your business plan to bring in more potential clients and to create more of a community So let me tell you a little bit about Brittany and Practice Better. So Practice Better is a complete practice management platform created specifically for health and wellness practitioners. It was co-founded by a former holistic nutritionist in need of streamlining her own workflow. So you know that it's really good. (laughs) Today, Practice Better helps thousands of practitioners streamline their work so they can spend less time on busy work and more time helping clients reach their health goals. So we have Brittany again with us here today, and she is a business success coach with Practice Better and also a certified holistic nutritionist herself. So welcome to the podcast, Brittany. Hey, Stephanie. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's my absolute pleasure. I love having Practice Better on, Um And talking about the platform, as it's one that I absolutely love, and having you here today is a big treat as well, because I know you're about to share a ton of wisdom with us all about creating that successful online program. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we're happy to be here too. We love uh, talking about business building tips. Our team is made up of practitioners, so it's a topic that really resonates with us. We're excited to dive in today. Yeah, this is a question
0: I get all the time is, you know, how do I attract clients? How do I get more people excited about my business? And, you know, one answer that I always have is running a online challenge. But, you know, I see some people doing this and, um, you know, you don't know what you don't know is, mm-hmm. I guess, the, the best way to say it. But I see a lot of people running like these long drawn out challenges where they end up getting burnt out, the audience end up getting burnt out. So, I'm really excited to talk about, you know, kind of the right way to do a challenge and then also the tools that you can use to make it really clean and clear and like a really fun experience for everybody involved.
1: Yeah, that's great. Online challenges are, like you said, they're just such a great way of introducing potential clients to you and uh, work with them kind of with the goal of later bringing them on as paid clients to help grow your health and wellness business. But there's definitely a way to do them well and a way to kind of fall short on them. And unfortunately, um, oftentimes we overcomplicate them. And that, like you said, they become really long and drawn out and the um, engagement just starts to drop off. And you can get really burnt out, like you said. So um, we kind of at Practice Better came up with, I guess, five best practices that will kind of tailor your online challenge to really work for you in a way that's really efficient and streamlined. So as a practitioner, um, the amount of time and effort you're putting into is kind of matched with what the, um, the output will be for your clients. So kind of streamlining things for both you and then a quick win for the, the clients as well.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a whole lot of sense. And it's nice to also have, you know, a few steps or or best practices to focus on so that you're not feeling like you have to, you know, add everything in this challenge. You can really just like have this list of a few things that you need to really get clear on and not worry about the rest. Because I feel like if it was... If you made it really complicated to do, you're not going to end up doing the actual challenge. So having, again, like these few areas to put your attention into and then um, moving away from, you know, the other things that might, you know, distract our attention and just sticking to the things that we really need to focus on makes the most sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. And for anyone who's listening, who's not totally familiar with what an online challenge is, we like to think of it as kind of like a short group program with a very specific or short-term goal. So it's giving a client a quick win um, to give them a kind of a taste of what you do, um, whatever it is that you specialize in or whatever your niche is in, it's kind of giving them like a sample t- taste of that um, to kind of flirt with the idea of working together, if that makes sense. So that's kind of how we differentiate between, say, an online challenge and an online program is one is really condensed with kind of quick wins. The other is really getting into the more granular um, nitty gritty of what you're working with your clients to achieve for for their health outcomes. Um, mm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay, so basically because we're making it about like this quick win, would you agree then that it's not about putting like everything you know into this program, it's about like scaling it back to kind of like the first step or the need to know things that this client, you know, can begin or start with um, that will then, like you said, lead into that next, you know, step two of what you will teach them in your one-on-one or your group program. Is that right?
1: Exactly. So we often like to think of it as kind of a stepping stone into this kind of path to working with you. So they're taking that first step, they're getting that first win, and it's making them want to take, Take Another step forward. So oftentimes challenges are a good way to build that know, like, and trust factor with your clients where they get um, an idea of how you work, what you offer. And oftentimes maybe you're doing this for free, but it's leading into them becoming a paid client with you.
0: Mm, yeah, so you make a really good point there, and I'm not sure if you're going to talk about this later or if you if you want to cover it right now. But what are your thoughts on like free
1: versus paid challenges? I think. Challenges are very well-suited to be a free offering because when we think about keeping it very specific and very simple kind of bite-sized wins for the client, um, and if we're doing this in the right way and we'll get into kind of those five best practices, the work should be kind of relatively minimal upfront and something that you can run again and again to kind of build in that pipeline with qualified clients that um, are best suited to work with you. And then that can be a segue or kind of lead into this bigger offering, which can be your paid services. So it's a really good way to kind of get to know your client, build relationship, show off what you know, kind of, like we said, talk, give those quick wins, but then you're kind of running them through into bigger offerings. So I think, um, it's a really good opportunity to do something for free to provide that upfront value with the goal that, um, you know, eventually maybe they are going to convert and you will get your money out of that kind of idea.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So making it like a low barrier to entry at the beginning, um, but then create so much value that they're like, wow, I can't believe that I had this win or I had, you know, I learned this much,
1: you know, for free. What would the paid version be like? Exactly. Exactly. So um, it's it's another form of an opt in essentially or a lead magnet or a freebie, whatever you want to call that. You can think of your online challenge as just another form of um, that type of offering.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love uh, reframing it that way in your head um, and seeing it as an opportunity to kind of collect people in. Now, would you recommend when they're setting up the challenge, and I know we're going to talk a lot more about delivery and all of that, but do you recommend that they um, try to encourage people to sign up with their email address so that you can add them to your email list? Um, Like, would that be beneficial to kind of get that information or should it just be like, I don't know they join like a free facebook group and and then there's no real way to kind of track those people let's say if they drop if they drop out of the Facebook group at some
1: point, yeah, I love the idea of collecting an email address because it does give you that way to communicate beyond just the challenge. So it allows you to follow up with the client afterwards. So with the challenge, you know, you can end it by giving them an exclusive offer to some other offering that you have, um, whether it's working one-on-one or another group program that's, you know, touching further into the topic that you were kind of first um, presenting in the challenge. So collecting that email will give you a way to continue that conversation, like you said. So, you know, if you do run things through a Facebook group and they decide to leave, you might not have that way to ever follow up with them to say, why did you drop off? And um, what was the barrier there? So it's another way to kind of follow up and get their overall feedback, too.
0: Hmm. Yeah, really good points. Okay. Well, why don't we just jump into the best practices? I know you have five to share with us, and then we might talk a little bit later on about tips for filling your challenge, but let's just get started with uh, best practice number one.
1: For sure. Let's jump into it. So the first practice I want to share is just getting really clear on your challenge goals. So before you start building your challenge, first, it's really important to know what you're hoping to accomplish with it and what you're going to focus on. So In order to do that, you really need to know who your ideal client is in the first place. Um, So what do you want to help them achieve? So whether you already have a niche or not, it can be really beneficial to kind of stop and ask them what they're uh, facing, what kind of pain points they're experiencing. And maybe you want to tailor that online challenge specifically around that one item. So, you know, that's how you can strategically decide what the challenge goal will be. And then you can figure out the topics that are relevant to kind of hopefully all, but at least the majority of your clients. Um, So it allows you to really get um, specific so you can get more signups. If you're kind of guessing what people are wanting to work on, you might not kind of hit the nail on the head and miss the mark a little bit. So we first really encourage people to Ask your audience, what are they struggling with currently and what can you help them with? And then kind of working the challenge around that specific topic.
0: Hmm. Okay. So like if you have no clue what they need help with, start by pulling them. And maybe if you do have a clue, then maybe you would look at like the program, that next step. Let's say you're helping them like heal their hormones or something like that. So you might pick like a little section of what you would teach in your bigger program. And then that would be your challenge goal of like helping them with step one of that program.
1: Exactly. And sometimes it's about putting it in the language that the client understands. So using that hormone example it's do we want to talk about balancing hormones or do we want to talk about the symptoms that they're actually experiencing that they resonate with so whether it's you know acne or maybe they're dealing with mood swings or low energy maybe we want to frame it from the symptom perspective rather than getting into you know the, the heavy science like we tend to do as health and wellness practitioners because that's where our brains thrive and we really get you know um, fired up talking about but putting it in a way that's presentable to the client that they they can resonate with.
0: Mhm. Yeah, meeting them where they're at versus like you know us trying to talk to ourselves at the where we're at right now with our education versus remembering like okay, these people might just be learning about this as like the first step. And if we overcomplicate it, we're going to lose them.
1: Exactly. And that kind of is a nice segue into our second best practice, which is to be specific and keep it simple. So we really recommend um, keeping your challenge simple and relevant so that the results do come a little bit easier and they feel like they've reached this level of success. So um, we suggest kind of choosing one really specific topic during your online challenge to keep it digestible and actionable and then also considering things like duration. So when you're going through and you're creating this challenge, um, you want to think about how long can you actually keep participants engaged on a daily, uh, daily basis when it comes to this specific topic. So we think you know, a time period between, say, five to 10 days is kind of the sweet spot when it comes to a, an online free challenge or whether it's paid or not, um, the duration of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I usually say like three to seven days, but I think like the five days is kind of such a nice place because, you know, the first few days people are just getting used to you. They're warming up to you. They start to learn, but you want it to be long enough that they actually get a win and it's not like, oh, and it drops off and then they have to do all the work on their own.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So yeah, we think that the focus of your challenge should be kind of one piece of the puzzle that you um, would typically cover and say you're one-on-one one consultations or a signature group program. Um, so that 5 to 10 days will, like you said, give that enough of a time period where you get that win, but not so long that it drones on and people just fall off and engagement um, drops. Because if that engagement drops, they're not going to get that win and it's going to be very hard to convert them back into paying clients.
0: Hmm. So with the whole keeping it um, simple thing or simple idea, like what... <sighs> what do you see happening sometimes when people try to add like too much into it? Is it the fact that, like you said, people end up dropping off or they can't convert them into clients? Like what are the, I guess, negatives for adding too much into your uh, free challenge or your paid challenge?
1: Oftentimes, there can be this discrepancy between what the practitioner is marketing as far as this online challenge, but then the information becomes very overwhelming to the client where it becomes a lot more of a time commitment and a lot more for them to kind of wrap their heads around. And they're going into something that's kind of being pitched as as this quick win, easy challenge, short and sweet, but then it's really heavy. And that feels like too much to commit to at that time. And if we're framing this as a free challenge, um, as something like an opt in, uh, people don't have that same level of commitment as they would with a paid service. So that's another kind of reason why you can keep it kind of short and sweet and also a quick, easy win, Um, just because sometimes they're not as ready and willing to kind of commit. Um, with the heavy information. So I think practitioners get caught in this bubble where they forget just how much they know and they mm-hmm. forget that the average person does not have nearly as much knowledge on that particular topic as they do. So it's like you have to come up with your content and then cut it in half and then yeah. you cut it in half again. And that's the right amount to present um, for something like this.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I find it's like either people they want to overgive because they want to show like so much value and they want to come off very professional and knowledgeable, um, and then so it's like they kind of shift towards giving too much. Or if we present this idea of like keeping it simple, then they don't know like well what is enough. Like I think that is one. I guess, fear that comes up for a lot of people when they think about running a challenge is like, I don't want it to be too little and I don't want it to be too much.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to find that sweet spot. And, you know, as a practitioner myself, I can, I can really relate to that um, over delivery because we're trained to see all the interconnectedness of these symptoms and how they relate to this and how they relate to that and how it how the whole body is encompassed. And so when we start on this one little niche topic, we can start to see how it connects to all these other pieces. And then we feel like we're not giving them the full picture unless we talk about all of it, but we need to scale that back and just start with the basics.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love what you said before. It's like remembering that we have potentially a lot of knowledge, but they might not. And, you know, an example I love to use, and this is not at all to call my mom out because she's a very smart, brilliant woman, but she has trouble, you know, even remembering some simple nutrition things like exactly what type of protein source. I'm sorry, what type of protein sources she should eat, or you know, what are some good fat sources. So we have to remember that, you know, not everybody has the nutrition knowledge or wants to have the knowledge that we have. And it's really up to us to like, remind people that foundational information and make it easy for them to consume.
1: Exactly, you know, I have an example of that too, where I have a friend who is dealing with some health issues, and of course, um, doing what I do, I want to get into all the nitty-gritty science with her and give her this research and these papers to read, and she's like, "No, I don't want to know any of that. Just tell me what to do." Um, and I forget that people have a completely different perspective on it than I do. They don't care to know as much of the the why and the logic and all the the information behind it. So sometimes people want. Everything kind of packaged up nicely with just the action steps that are going to help them achieve the outcomes. They don't need the why and all the science and all that behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's like the biggest takeaway for every practitioner <laughs> is yeah. to really drill that in their heads and know that, um, you know, it's really about how are we are going to make this actionable for, for them so that um, they can take action and they're not just like absorbing information, but don't know what to do with it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of a nice um, step into our next guideline, which is to provide um, supportive and interactive content, because it's one thing to provide the, the information, but it's part of the success when it comes to clients. And most practitioners will know this is it comes down to the level of support that you can provide them as well. So, With an online challenge, you'll want to think about the format of the content, um, and that will largely depend on whatever outcome you've outlined, um, but you want it to be as engaging as possible. So because you're likely speaking to a variety of different participants who all have different um, learning styles and are going to be engaged in different ways, um, you can think about that and then have, um, a combination of material that you include in the challenge. So whether you want to do things like a live video session, you could include, um, you know, pre-recorded short videos, you can do up some worksheets or infographics, um, include a meal plan. There's just so many ways to support um, your clients by giving them interactive content so that they know, um, That you're there and that you're providing things that are in an engaging way, catering to different learning styles. So lots of different ways you can get creative when you're working with an online program so that, um, yeah, you're able to give this information in a really um, easy to deliver way that is going to hold people's attention. Mm Hmm.
0: Yeah, that's so important because I think sometimes we think like, oh, well, I'll just write a bunch of posts. But some people don't like it doesn't resonate with some people. They need to hear it or they need to see it or it needs to be absorbed in a different way. And just like you said, if we only create like one piece of material that might only reach one type of person or one type of client. And then we end up missing out on all on enriching all of these other people's lives. So that doesn't mean you probably have to do like video and audio and workbooks and like all of the things. But I think maybe knowing like, what the majority of your audience resonates with and then creating those materials.
1: Exactly. And that kind of goes back to our first point of getting to know your audience and what works for them. So, you know, social media is such a great way to interact with your clients where you can throw up a quick poll or a quick, you know, question box on Instagram and you're asking them, how do you want this information presented? Would you prefer to have an audio training? Do you want to see some videos? Would you prefer some, you know, journal prompts? Like what is going to resonate best with you? Because that's your community and those are the people that are going to likely be um, members of an online challenge and who better to ask than the people that are actually going to be going through it. Oh
0: yeah, 100%. Um, This kind of brings up a question that I get all the time (laughs) from people who um, are running a challenge, or let's even say have a Facebook group or another group where they need to be very interactive. So I think this question kind of can go across the board here. Um, But people just are always asking, you know, how do I keep my group Like answering questions or how do I get them to be interactive? Like, is there a method to the type of questions I'm asking or the type of info I'm posting? Do you have any kind of go-to ideas for actually keeping them, you know, talking and keeping them engaged? So it's not just you kind of talking at them, but them having a conversation and building this community.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I think that it's really about breaking the ice. Nobody wants to be like the first person to raise their hand kind of thing. So I really like to break the ice by, um, welcoming people to talk about themselves because people love to talk about themselves (laughs) um so it can be as simple as posing the question when we work in this virtual world oftentimes we're working with clients from all over the place so posing that question who are you and where are you from um people love to give a shout out to where they live and where they come from and that can kind of break the ice where people are willing to kind of um take that next step and maybe ask that next question or engage. So it just kind of creates a welcome environment. Um, Open-ended questions are, of course, are a great way to foster better communication and not only waiting for a response, but responding to that response um, and Mm -hmm. keeping that conversation going and then making it as easy as possible. So, you know, if you're asking them to share what they ate that day, or, you know, share that they um, completed whatever task you've set for them. Just let them snap a photo on their iPhone and post it um, and kind of make it as simple as possible and then start a conversation about that with them and, and engage back. So that would be some kind of ways to foster that and get people in the group talking to one another too. So there's a lot of strategies that you could put in place, whether you're setting up kind of accountability partners or, um, you know, just encouraging everybody into one group chat so that people can interact with each other and not just with you as a practitioner. You can get really creative with how you want to interact with people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are some really good points. Hey there, I hope you're getting so much value from this episode. So I wanted to take a quick pause to tell you about the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective and share a special offer just for podcast listeners like you. If you're trying to get momentum with your nutrition business or need some support figuring out your next steps or brainstorming ideas, this monthly membership is for you. Inside, you'll get monthly in-depth marketing, sales, and business trainings, and Q&A sessions to help you grow your nutrition business, as well as a supportive community where you can ask questions and exchange ideas. If you want to learn more or join us in the Next Level Nutrition Biz Collective, head on over to slash membership, and be sure to use the code PODCAST in the checkout to get your first month for only $7. See you inside. What do you think about, and you can be totally honest here, (laughs) but what do you think about if your audience isn't that big yet, you're just starting out, um, you know, having a friend or a family member join and kind of be that hype person for you and just say like, hey, you know, when I post a question, could you just be like one of the first people to answer it to encourage others? What are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that's an amazing idea. And honestly, your, your group participants need to be none the wiser that that person has a connection to you. But if you have a person in your life that's willing to be your hype person and your cheerleader and you know um, pump up your your group with engagement, capitalize on that. I think that's an amazing tip.
0: Okay, great. I love that too because sometimes it's just nice even as the person running it. You know, you're always like, "Oh, nobody's commenting. You start to self-doubt. You're like, "Oh my gosh, people hate this." And then that one person writes a comment and you're like, "Okay, I've got it. Like I'm oh, yeah. good." But it's like we need that one person to start us off. So, yeah, even if it's someone you're comfortable with and and even if it's just a friend or a family member like that could make a huge difference for the group and also for your confidence as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I have been there before where I have run challenges and it's been like very, very quiet. And the the weird thing about working in a virtual world, as amazing as it is, is that sometimes you you don't have that client in front of you to read their expressions or to read their body language when they when you have say like a free talk or working with somebody one on one in person. So sometimes, even though they're silent, they are um, having an amazing ex- amazing experience. They're just not sharing with you. Um, so it's really easy to get stuck in this mindset of, oh my gosh, nobody likes this. Nobody's participating. Uh, who do I think I am? But behind the scenes, it's very likely that somebody is, you know, really enjoying what you're putting out there. So it's just really important to keep that in mind.
0: Yeah. I mean, I am probably the worst group person because <laughs> I totally am the sidelines person who will like watch. Even this morning, I was watching um this really awesome Facebook live and I was really enjoying it, but I didn't write a comment. Like they wouldn't even, they wouldn't have known that I was there. Um, So I think sometimes we can get so hard on ourselves when there's not any like affirm, like reaffirming that we're doing a good job. And we think, you know, is anyone really listening or caring? But sometimes there's just like you say, these silent people that are watching and learning and loving it. They're just not the type to be really expressive in a group setting.
1: Yeah. You know, one of my favorite examples of this is sometimes I'll put out, you know, whether it's a recipe or a tip, whatever it may be on Instagram and the engagement on the actual post will be quite low. And then it'll be like four months later that somebody sends me a message or sends in their shari- story that they've, they've made this recipe. And I'm thinking, I had no idea you even saw this because you didn't didn't like, you know, but there they are and they're loving the recipe. So it just goes to show you that sometimes you have to reframe your perspective when you're working in a virtual world that you're not always going to have the, the luxury of seeing somebody's immediate feedback that you can read on their face when you're seeing them in person.
0: Mm-hmm. It's really true. And also just nice to hear you talk about it. And I can share as well, you know, from my experience of, you know, sometimes there's a slow challenge. Sometimes it's lots of people communicating and being really active. I think nobody's immune to it going either way, but just knowing that it's normal. But then also, you know, if we kind of learn, okay, that challenge didn't go as well as maybe it could have, then next time, what could I do to improve upon that and really create that sense of like community to have people talking and answering questions?
1: Yeah, I love that. It's so important, you know, when everything is said and done to kind of do an audit, what went right, what went wrong, and how can you kind of use that feedback to um, implement it in your next round to improve.
0: Mm -hmm, Absolutely. Okay, well, let's go into uh, best practice number four, which I think is probably the funnest one we're going to talk about today, which is like, how do we deliver this um, challenge online?
1: Yeah, this is one that, of course, is really exciting to me. Um, I was a practice better user myself as a practitioner before I ever worked for the company. Um, So I really love this feature in Practice Better, we call it our programs feature, but don't let that confuse you because you can use it with your online challenges. Um, Essentially, Practice Better allows you to run your online challenge, keep your educational content, your community engagement, and your client accountability all in one place. And in addition to that, you also get to kind of, as you're doing this, build up a client health record. So these people that are participating in your challenge They're creating a client record with a history of everything that they've done with you. So if they do go on to becoming a paid client, so whether that is one-on-one or you're filtering them through a a group program next, you'll see their history. So you'll see that they participated in this online challenge. You'll see any messages that they sent to you during that time, any questions you know. Maybe they um, let you know that they're allergic to something and then you went and noted that in their profile. So everything is in one place for this client. Um, So it makes it super convenient to later go in and bill them for an additional service, schedule them, communicate with them. Everything is super easy. So we love that feature in Practice Better. um, And we have kind of two different features. So we have what's called a fixed date program. So that would be, you know, you're running a five-day challenge and you're choosing it to run from December 1st through December 6th. Or we can do what's called an evergreen. Um, So evergreen is more so based on time elapsed rather than fixed calendar dates. So, you know, if this is a kind of online challenge that you want to run on your website as that opt-in or that freebie, and it's coming up as a pop-up where people can register in and get started, they can start at any time. So your marketing changes corresponding to that. Um, It doesn't have to be this marketing schedule where you're um, promoting these hard dates, it can just kind of live evergreen on your website.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for defining like um, you know, if it's fixed or evergreen. I think some people, you know, are have heard evergreen, but they don't really know what it means. And I think that um just like you said, it's it it's a different, I guess energy to if you're running it kind of live versus if it's running kind of behind the scenes because well energy in terms of you know if you don't really have to hype it up for a certain date then that's a little bit less kind of behind the scenes work for you you know if it's just that you've pre-recorded it and it's live on your website to anybody at any time can do it um, you can maybe spend a little bit more time behind the scenes getting that challenge ready that you can stay running forever and ever, uh, where if it's a live one, you're probably kind of more going into the mindset of, okay, I'm going to do this, test it out, see how it goes, and maybe
1: refine it for next time. Exactly. And so let's not confuse it with the fact that you're not going to have to market an evergreen challenge or an evergreen program because you will still need to promote it. Um, You can't just create it and unfortunately hope that, cross your fingers (laughs) and close your eyes, that people are going to somehow find it and sign up. So it still does require um, some marketing. Marketing effort, but it it changes how you're going to format the content of whether you're going to maybe have a live video session with your participants or maybe, like you said, things are going to be pre recorded, um, and that way it's very passive for you. Um, the nice thing about practice better too is that you can set up with Zapier to pull your program registrants over to your email newsletter list. So that's all done kind of automated for you. So it eliminates that busy work where you're then having to um, go into the people's profile, copy down their email address, transfer them over, that kind of idea. So everything's done. So if you want to keep promoting to them or talking about an exclusive offer once they're done the challenge, talk about what the next step to work with you would be, You can set that up so it's all happening automatically.
0: Okay. Awesome. And so can you just explain a little bit how you would interact with the group in Practice Better? Like, is there a chat function? Is there a bulletin board? Like, where would that conversation be happening?
1: Yeah. So you can set up a secure chat in Practice Better and you can do this one-on-one with each participant, or you can actually set up a group chat, which is great for accountability and engagement where people can start to see the other members that are going through at the same time. And then we also have what's called a So the best way that I like to kind of explain this to people who are learning about it for the first time is it kind of looks like um, a Facebook feed where you have a chronological kind of order of people who can write a post, you can comment, tag, you've got your emojis to use, you can also input um, pictures. So it becomes this kind of uh, running chronological feed of all this engagement in your group. So If you're one of those people that think you need to run your program or your challenge and then also have this separate Facebook group, um, you don't need to with Practice Better. You can just have that feed going and it will function nearly the same.
0: Oh, my gosh. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I love that. Now that I know that I'm like, okay, so should I be changing everything over? Because I personally haven't been using Practice Better in my practice just because I'm no longer doing nutrition. And it's so, you know perfectly built for people doing nutrition but I think it can have so many different functions for different kind of practitioners or or coaches who really want all of that functionality for their clients
1: yeah you know what we see a lot of people who are health coaches themselves but also business coaches so someone like yourself who works directly in the industry working with nutritionists and have a program for them um it's still a great platform to use um for that as well, where with our online challenges, you can actually include um, PDFs or additional documents as resources. You can set tasks so that the people that are going through this online challenge can um, look to see what their to-do lists are. So that next actionable item, and then they just get to check it off. And then as a practitioner on your end, you're seeing when each member is kind of working through the content and checking things off. Um, mm-hmm. You can include all kinds of things. If you wanted to upload, say, um, a PDF of that clean life, that meal plan kind of idea that can be included. So you get to really play around with the format in practice better and make it basically everything is just in one spot.
0: Mm, Yeah, I love that so much. And what I keep hearing a lot, and actually some of my clients have been running challenges and what they're finding to be, you know, no pun intended, a challenge is that um, a lot of people don't have Facebook anymore or kind of refuse to be on Facebook as like their main platform. Um, So they end up losing a lot of challenge participants if they're running it solely on on Facebook. So I I feel like it's an advantage to bring it off Facebook onto a separate platform platform where you can have kind of everybody's engagement there versus them being on Facebook, um, you know, and scrolling through the feed and maybe like not putting as much like um focused attention into it. Um, it- you know, unless it was like on another platform where they can, you know, sign in and really just like be there with that challenge for the time that um, that they're in it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the nice thing too is that we have a mobile app. So your clients um, don't need to necessarily log on to an actual computer. They can do it from the convenience of their phone, whether they're on a, an Apple phone or um, Android It is compatible with both. So that will allow them to access things like the, the secure group chat they can even um, participate in video sessions from their phones. So, if you are running an online challenge and you're doing it more fixed date where it's live and you want to have a video session, uh, we offer um, an integration with Zoom, which is um, you can you can essentially make it so that it's secure and HIPAA compliant, so that you're um, you know staying within the Privacy Acts and they can just log in from their phone and interact that way. So it's, again, just super convenient. You're making things as easy as possible and removing as many barriers as you can by keeping everything in this one place that has all these functionalities.
0: Mm -hmm. And not to mention like how professional that would look as well, you know, from the potential client's end of like, oh, wow, this is a really neat platform. You know, I'm getting so much support. There's chat. There's all of these, you know, functions. Um, and that could be, in a sense, like a selling um, point for you to say, like, this is also what I use with my clients in a more like private setting. So I think it's nice to introduce them to that to begin with. So you get them really familiar with using that platform.
1: Definitely. And and we also have the capability for you to brand it with your own colors and you can input a logo and and tailor it so that it really fits your brand image as well.
0: Mm. Love that. Yeah. Okay, so let's just imagine for a second, um, I don't know why someone would choose not to use it, <laughs> because it sounds amazing, but, um, you know, there's different uh, people at different places in their business and that want different capabilities with different programs. So, you know, there's all different types of people running nutrition businesses. What would be some other platforms that you would recommend maybe other than Practice Better if they're not ready yet to, to go with Practice Better?
1: For sure. So, I mean, we have so many different ways we can do this. You can keep it so simple. You could do it by email. So you could send out your content and your communications, um, by email. Um, the drawback to that is that it can be difficult for your clients to reference the content if they have a really busy inbox and all the information is going to be kind of sent individually. So, you know, it will become email by email. Um, not in more of like a feed style. Mm-hmm. Um, And then it becomes a little bit more challenging for you to engage with them and for them to kind of see the other members that are potentially going through it as well. But that is a possibility and it's a way to do it. Um, You know, if you're just starting out and you're trying to keep your overhead as low as possible, that's one way to do it. Um, that's how I did my first one was over email. And I just kind of recorded a video, uploaded it, kept it private on YouTube, and then embedded it and and did it from there. So um, not going to lie, I kind of pulled my hair out dealing with all the tech and trying to like make this work. Um, So I love Practice Better and how streamlined and user-friendly it is, but that's definitely an option. And then you could even do it over social media, really. Um, So if you want to capitalize on that bigger audience that you have and just kind of open it up and hope that people will follow along, run it over social media. You know, you have the ability to do live videos on there. You can be doing, um, you know, um, things on your stories on Instagram, create a hashtag for yourself so that people are sharing and reposting. Um, so, Lots of different options, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, however you want to frame it, whatever platform you're you're primarily on, you can run it through there. And again, that's free. So a great way to do it if you have low overhead um, and you're just getting started. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, there are other e-course platforms out there. So if you want to use something like Thinkific or I think Kajabi is one, I'm not as familiar with these platforms, but they are um, kind of created with that intention of dripping content out to your, to your participants. So there are, um, program, um, platforms out there, likely they will be paid. The difference, the, the real benefit that we see to practice better in that situation is, um, practice better. You're creating that health record and keeping everything in one place. Um, so that would be the difference between, you know, working with something like Thinkific.
0: Yeah. And something I'll say to my clients a lot too is, you know, again, if we're trying to think, you know, financially where we're spending our money, especially in those first few years of our business, um, why not go with an all-in-one platform that essentially has it all versus, you know, trying to have like five different, you know, platforms that you're using and then it just feels like an admin nightmare. So I really do think um, practice better for for this reason, makes a lot of sense to kind of keep everything in one place and then be able, like you said, to kind of transition those people interested in like one-on-one coaching or the next step, a group program, whatever
1: it is, they're
0: already in the system.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's a really streamlined way because everything you don't have to worry about your, your different say scheduling and your invoicing and your bookkeeping and all of that talking to each other and trying to make those things work because they're already housed in just one platform.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that, that really makes a lot of sense. All right. So thanks for sharing that with us. Cause I think that's always like a guess for people like, where am I actually doing this? So to have a few different options is great. Now, what about, um, like different ways to keep them engaged and motivated? What would that look like?
1: Yeah. So I would say that you really want to focus on this because participant engagement is really a key aspect of it. Without that, um, people are just more likely to drop off partway throughout your challenge. And trust me, that will happen. It's happened to me. I don't know, Stephanie, if you can relate, but Mm -hmm. um, for sure, when you try and coast and just think that you've already got all the content created and you're going to kind of let this run really passively, it'll just lead to people falling off. So, um, a couple of ways to do this is plan for daily communication with your challenge participants, and you can do this a few ways. So whether it's posting in a group chat, um, holding a group video session, you can do that. You can message people individually. Essentially, the, the video session doesn't have to be, you know, this really big song and dance. It can just be a recap of whatever is on the the agenda for that particular day. So you can keep it simple, but it's just a way for you to give that face time with people and get them interacting and engaging with you so that they feel motivated to kind of keep going with the next step. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that makes sense too, because The last thing we kind of want is to, like you said, kind of put it on autopilot and not show up. I don't think people will be as engaged if it's just, like, here's the information, like, do it yourself. I think they really want to hear from you, hear stories, hear, like, client wins, or they want to hear, like, how you could help them or what you've done to implement these things in your own life. They want that, like, Integration piece, and without having any kind of like video or or interaction, like you say, it's going to fall a little bit flat. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention as well is um, what I see happening here sometimes is the people who run the you know fourteen or twenty one day challenges. I find those to be a lot harder to keep people motivated and engaged because it's just such a long time to ask for people's commitment, and you know. I don't know about you guys listening, but like that's really hard for me to be like super committed for, you know, 21 days when it's something free that I haven't really put money towards, you know, to keep myself accountable. So I think it like really does come down to the timeline as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I 100% agree with you. It has to be, um, realistic for people to commit to. Everyone is just so busy and our focus is being pulled in a million directions. So, um, we only have like a short period of time to, to hold that focus and make a really lasting impression. So, um, Yeah. The next thing I would suggest is coming up with a daily call to action. So not only are you finding a way to communicate with them daily, but you're also putting out this, whether it's a question or a task for them or something that is encouraging them to take action. So it could be something as simple as posting a photo of um, whatever they're doing for movement that day into the group feed or um, sharing a, a win or a mark of progress or a struggle that they're going through. Something that's getting them to talk. Um, and you know what? I think it's really cool as if, as the practitioner, you're willing to say to your group participants that, hey, you're doing this alongside with them. Um, I think that as practitioners, we get caught in this place where we have to act like we're this picture perfect embodiment of health. Um, and we don't want people to know that we also struggle with our health sometimes, but if you have that kind of humanness to say that, you know what, I need to brush up on this too. So I'm going to be going through the challenge with you as well and be, um, you know, humble and show your, your struggles and your progress along the way with your participants. I think that will really resonate with people.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much so. I love when people share that or like, here's what I did or here's how I felt or, you know, I just like knowing it's a human on the other end versus, like you said, that picture-perfect person. I don't relate to that because I'm not picture-perfect. So I think it's like, yeah, really finding how you can connect on a human level. That's um, not just you kind of sharing your woes, but sharing maybe what has happened and then how you overcame it or what you've done to kind of move forward. I think it's just so inspiring for people to learn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The other thing that you can do to keep participants engaged and motivated, and this is optional, of course, this is just an idea, but you can consider offering a giveaway. Um, So whether it's, you know, halfway through or at the end of your challenge, this will just kind of help to mitigate that drop-off that can sometimes happen as the challenge gets going. So you could announce at the beginning, you know, hey, stay through to the end because we're going to be announcing this giveaway for whatever it is. So whether it's, you know, an additional service offering with you or whether it's a physical, tangible product, you have those options to choose from. Um, And, you know, as far as how you're actually deciding on a winner of this giveaway, it could be very simple. You could say that you're doing this um, by randomly selecting someone who's participated in the group chat. And then hopefully, um, you know, they think, well, the more times I interact and post, my chances are going up to win this prize. So it'll get people talking and engaging there as well hmm. Yeah. A little prize at the end always
0: makes people want to um, stay involved. Right. You know, it gives them that incentive to be like, OK, I'm excited. <laughs> this is fun. Right. And bonus, it also promotes your potential program. If you're, let's say, giving a free spot or a session in your program, then people are like, I want to win that. And if they don't, one thing I always tell my clients is even if they don't, if they aren't the winner of that um, challenge at the end where they get the prize or they get that gift, follow up with everyone else and even offer them, you know, like a 10% off discount for your services, you know, make them feel that even though they didn't win, here's still like a little gift for you. um, And to maybe push them to want to invest more with you and have you support them further.
1: Exactly, yeah, I, I love that follow up after a program. I think that's so key because not only can you thank them, which you should do as you know um, a professional, but also to give them um, an exclusive offer and ask for feedback because you know if especially if this is the first time you are running an online challenge this is new territory for you. So it's going to help you make improvements the next time you run it. And, you know, as you start to run these challenges multiple times, you'll really be able to refine it every time, making it better and better. So yeah, I love the idea of following up and kind of including the three things, a thank you, an exclusive offer, and then ask for feedback. Mm -hmm. Perfect. I love it. Look at all
0: these steps that they can now take to run their challenge. Um, It's a no brainer now to to run one. So before we wrap up, I'd love for you to share maybe like two or three tips for actually filling their challenge, because I'm sure they're all, again, thinking like, this is great. I want to do this. But the last thing they want is like one person to sign up. So what can they do to fill that challenge?
1: First, you'll want to come up with a marketing plan where, you know, this isn't like you're announcing it three days before it happens or even a week before it happens. People need multiple touch points for it to kind of resonate with them, especially in our digital world where things are pulling us in a million directions. So get used to talking about it um, for, say, four to six weeks before you actually intend on it starting on your Instagram stories on your newsletter, really like hit wherever you have an audience, you'll want to talk about it. And, you know, it doesn't need to be this really slimy salesy thing. It can just be conveying value, gently mentioning it, just bring it up because it's going to, um, you know, land with people the more times that they hear about it. So that would be my first tip. Um, the second thing I want to talk about is utilizing your immediate network. So I'm talking about your family and friends, like Stephanie said, and I love this idea of having that hype person utilize them because there's a good chance that even though they're kind of being put into this challenge for, whether they're there for a hype person or not, they're still going to get the benefits and they're going to be your best spokesperson after of spreading that word of mouth to the people that they know, their colleagues and their friends and you know, other family members. So definitely use them to your advantage. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Do you have one more that you want to share with us?
1: Yeah, the next one I want to say is don't be afraid to um, ask your existing clients. So even though they've already worked with you, um, if your challenge offers something a little bit different, you may want to consider offering um, your clients a spot in your challenge because it could lead to something. Maybe you've worked with a client one-on-one. You want to get them into this challenge with the intent of maybe filtering them through to a program. So don't be afraid to work with people that you've already worked with in the past.
0: Ooh, yeah, I love that. Also, they also know what it's like to work with you. So they might add in little touches here and there of, oh, yeah, when I worked with Brittany, she was so great at XYZ or I learned, you know, XYZ. So, you know, they can become that hype person a little bit too, um, which is like your own little marketing team, like in the actual group
1: setting, which is really fun. Exactly. And and that's where you're going to when you're sending that kind of follow-up email. Maybe you, you're including a form which you can do on Practice Better where you're tailoring it to collect a, a testimonial and then using that the next time you're running a group program to um, entice people to sign up.
0: Ooh, yes. Wow. Practice Better has everything. Yeah, <laughs> they has. have thought of everything. <laughs> well, this has been amazing. I mean, like I mentioned just a few moments ago, um, I think everybody now has the tools to run their first or second or third Online challenge really through practice. Better could be that great platform if that's the way you want to go, or do it simply through email or through a social media platform. Um, But I'm really going to challenge, I'm going to challenge you guys to run a challenge at the beginning of 2021 because that's a perfect time to get people, you know, used to your services, get them a quick win in that new year energy, and then lead them into your bigger program. I honestly think there's no better time than that. And if you're listening to this later, it's not early. 2021, um, still try the challenge out and test it out. See how it works with your audience. I think Brittany's given you so many tangible ways to get this done and not make it complicated. So um, I highly, highly suggest doing this. So Thank you so much, Brittany. This was amazing. Um, Is there anything else you want to share with us or maybe let us know uh, where we
1: can learn more about uh, Practice Better and yourself? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, Practice Better, we love creating resources for our practitioners. So we have Um, a lot of great blog posts on our website. Um, the link will be in the show notes. I'm sure Stephanie will include that. We have an event coming up early 2021 called, um, the better business essentials, which is kind of fluff free content, um, things to put into action for your business, for our practitioners as well. Um, and then our Facebook, so you can just search up practice better. And, um, there's lots of great um, resources and information on our Facebook page as well.
0: Awesome. Love it. And yes, I will put all of the links in the show notes, or you can go to stephanielong.ca slash practice better. And I believe I have a discount code for 20% off your first four months with practice better. You can just put Stephanie long, um, as the discount code in the checkout and yeah, thank you again. This is great. I'm so excited. I'm sure you would love to hear if people are running a challenge after this, where would they be like tagging you at? Would it be like, um, taking practice better or using, a practice better hashtag. um, How can they really show you that they've uh, taken this and put it into action?
1: Yeah. tag us on Facebook. It's just at practice better. And we will um, see you guys um, hitting um, it out of the park with your online challenges, which we're so excited for.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to tag me too, because I would love to see that. All right, Brittany, thanks again. Really appreciated you being here.
1: Thanks so much, Stephanie